As we start today's message, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt abandoned or forgotten? Have you ever had an experience where you felt abandoned or forgotten? Maybe where you kind of felt left behind, where some other people kind of went off and did something and you looked around and were like, uh, where did everybody go? Why am I still here by myself? Or it may have been that you heard about something later, that a whole bunch of people had gone out for dinner together or gone to a party together or had gone away on a holiday and you found out about it afterwards and you realised that you hadn't been invited along. Could be that you were looked over uh, for an opportunity that someone else was given, where you had worked really, really hard, perhaps a promotion at work where you'd worked away and worked away and worked away and then someone else ended up getting promoted ahead of you or you were acting up in a specific position and expecting that that kind of meant that you were going to end up with that role and uh, it didn't all come to pass. Have you ever had an experience like that? When we go through those moments, we wrestle with this question, which is really the focus of this series. Why me, God? What did I do wrong? What exactly did I do to deserve this? How come I found myself in this position? How come I have found myself left behind, abandoned or forgotten? And so we're working our way through Joseph's story as a way of being able to identify with someone who definitely felt that way over and over and over again. Someone who was incredibly faithful with the way that he lived his life and yet consistently ended up finding himself in these situations that he didn't deserve. And so in doing so, we can wrestle with this question, why do bad things happen to good people? And how is it that we can respond when we're in some of those dark places? So as always, you have your uh, teaching notes inside of Connect News, so you can grab those out, jot things down as we make our way through today's message. And you can also open your Bible up to Genesis chapter 39, because that's where we're going to be going in a couple of moments. So a quick recap of what we have covered so far in Joseph's story and a reminder as always that you can watch previous messages uh, on the front page of our website and uh, you can click on that and then go into our YouTube channel to watch all the way back through our back catalogue or subscribe to our podcast and you can hear uh, the audio versions of these. But we started uh, the first week where we talked about this guy named Joseph who was the son of Jacob. Jacob, who was the grandson of Abraham, the man that God had met with to say, I want to make you the father of a great family who's going to become a great nation. And we're going to journey together so that you can help them to understand what life is supposed to be like, life the way that I designed it, what it looks like to live in a full, complete relationship with me, with each other and with creation. And so Abraham had Isaac, who had Jacob, and then Jacob had these 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, and Joseph was the 11th of those 12 sons. We know that Jacob had a very, very special place in his heart for Joseph, uh, so much so that it created a lot of awkwardness around the dinner table because Jacob was not shy in telling everyone that Joseph was his favourite son and that he loved him more than any of the others. Joseph then had a couple of dreams where he dreamt that his brothers and then his mum and dad were all going to bow down before him. And he told his family about this and that was the final straw for his brothers. They were like, we're done with this guy. We're sick and tired of him saying that he's Mr. Special and so we're going to get rid of him. And initially the plan was to kill him. They backed away from that and sold him into slavery. And so last week we then looked at the person that bought Joseph, this guy named Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And Joseph ended up working for Potiphar and doing a really, really amazing job and got given more responsibility, more responsibility, more responsibility until ultimately he was overseeing all of Potiphar's house, all of his livestock, all of his crops, his whole business, and Potiphar trusted him completely. But Potiphar's wife 
had a little bit of a uh, liking for Joseph, which became very, very awkward. And Joseph tried to push back against that. Um, but one day, Potiphar's wife trapped Joseph, and that led to a whole lot of awkwardness, where Joseph then ran away, and Potiphar's wife made up a whole story that Joseph had come to attack her. When Potiphar finds out about this, he's obviously not very pleased about it, and so he has Joseph thrown in jail. And so that's where we left things last week. And we have recognised throughout Joseph's story that there's nothing that he's really done to deserve any of the things that have happened to him. There's nothing that Joseph lived badly or made poor choices. It was all because of the choices of other people that Joseph has ended up where he is. So today we pick things up in Genesis chapter 39, starting at verse 21. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favourite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So that first verse is a very, very powerful statement. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. It's staggering to recognise that God is not just with Joseph when things are going well, but in these darkest moments, we know that God is still with Joseph. But what's most amazing is the last part of that verse, that in the prison, in the dark moments that Joseph was going through, God showed Joseph his faithful love. He showed him his faithfulness to him and showed him his love in new and powerful ways. And that's true for us as well, that often it's in those darkest moments that we go through, those times when we feel trapped, where we feel stuck, where we're going through a really, really hard time, that we sometimes experience God in a way that we don't when things are just going well. I don't know about you, but when things are going well for me, I just kind of hit the cruise control button and it's relatively easy to kind of forget about God altogether. When we get into those dark moments, into those dark places, we search for God, we seek God out, and we realise that God has been with us all the time, but that God is with us and his faithful love has never, ever left us. But sometimes we have these tangible, powerful experiences in those dark moments that we can only have in those moments, and that's exactly what happens here for Joseph. So once again, Joseph chooses to make a decision to give his best. And he is, once again, incredibly successful and given more and more opportunities. And it's really staggering when you stop and think about it. The warden basically says, Joseph, you can run the jail. Help yourself. (laughs) Run it. You're doing a great job. So you can oversee everyone. You can oversee everything. Don't miss that. Like, think about the reality of a prisoner being given the keys to the jail. You do whatever you want, (laughs) run things how you want. This is really, really good. So much so that once again, we hear the warden saying he has no worries whatsoever. Exactly the same as we heard about Potiphar last week. And once again, we want to stop and recognise the choice that Joseph makes here. Because we wouldn't have blamed or begrudged Joseph if his decision was, I don't deserve to be here. I have done nothing wrong. I don't deserve to be in prison. Like I'm here because I got falsely accused. I shouldn't even be here anyway. I should be in a completely different land. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm not helping anyone. I'm just going to rot away in jail. I'm done. That's it. I'm out. Finished. But that's not how Joseph chooses to act, as we've seen so far throughout his life. He makes a decision to continue to give his best. 
And because of that, we see God rewarding his faithfulness and giving him more and more opportunities. We move into chapter 40, starting at verse 1. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and he put them in the prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph who looked after them. So we have these two new characters who arrive. The first one is the chief cupbearer. Now this is not just the guy who would have just kind of handed Pharaoh a cup when he was thirsty. The understanding is that the chief cupbearer was probably the one who oversaw all of Pharaoh's vineyards, all of Pharaoh's cellars, and would have been the the one who said, okay, what are we going to have with dinner tonight? What wine would match really, really well with what we're going to be eating? In a lot of ways, it's kind of far more like a butler. And whenever I think of a butler, I think of good old Carson from Downton Abbey. That's the kind of figure that we've got here with the chief cupbearer, just to put that into perspective. The chief baker was at least a really, really good pastry chef who would have made all the pastries and bread and that sort of thing. But there is an understanding that probably this person was like the head chef, overseeing all of Pharaoh's kitchens and all of the food that got served day in and day out. So we're told that they somehow offended Pharaoh. And one school of thought is that they had actually conspired together to try and assassinate Pharaoh and that they had tried to poison him, which understandably Pharaoh was a little bit offended by. And so he has them tossed in jail. Now, whether that's true or not doesn't really matter. They did something that really offended Pharaoh. He's like, that's it. You guys are thrown into prison. And so we're told that Joseph is assigned to oversee them. But who does that assigning? We're told it's the captain of the guard. So where have we heard that phrase before? That's Potiphar's title. So Potiphar was the captain of Pharaoh's guard. So the understanding here is that Potiphar is the one who assigns Joseph to oversee these two guys, the butler and the baker. There's also this recognition that the dungeon or the prison was in the palace of the captain of the guard. And so once again, we would understand that that means that this prison was either attached to or underneath or a part of Potiphar's house in one way or another. So let's stop again and put ourselves into Joseph's shoes. How would you feel with the reality that you knew every day when you got up that Potiphar, this guy who's thrown you in jail, is giving you all of these extra assignments, giving you all of this extra responsibility? How would you feel every morning when you wake up and you realise that you're either in or next to this house that you used to run? How would you feel about all of that? There's a pretty clear implication that Potiphar somehow worked out that Potiphar's wife had made up this story about Joseph, but it probably would have been a little bit too awkward for him to say, uh, we were wrong about that, so release him from prison. So Joseph would have done all of this working out in his head. Potiphar knows that I'm innocent. And yet he's left me here. Yes, he's giving me more responsibility, which is nice. But at the end of the day, I definitely should not be here at all. It's a very interesting dynamic that we find Joseph in. Well, verse 5, while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night. And each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? He asked them. 
So these guys both wake up one morning and they've had one of those dreams that just rattles them. I'm sure we've all had that experience. You wake up one morning and you've had this dream that's been incredibly vivid or really, really powerful and you just can't shake it. Whether the images stick with you or the emotion of what was happening at the time from what you woke up in, it just stays with you for the whole rest of the day. And so Joseph notices that these guys look a bit shaken when he sees them that morning. And he says to them, why do you look so worried? And once again, don't miss that. Joseph would have been very entitled to be very, very self-centred and focused only on woe is me. Look at what's happening for me. I don't care about anyone else. Who cares what's going on in their lives? But Joseph clearly knew these guys well enough to be able to see that there was something different about them this day when they woke up and cared enough about them to say, guys, What's going on? What's happened? It's clear that something has upset you. Well, verse 8, they replied, We both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. So go ahead and tell me your dreams. Now, a bit of context here. In Egypt and in Pharaoh's house in particular, uh, there would have been these magicians and these wise men who would have been the ones who uh, would have been able to interpret dreams. There's this understanding that this was a special gift that these guys had. So if you had a dream, you would go and seek one of those out. And so the butler and the baker both realised that that's not an option for them in prison. Uh, I'll have a massage today and I'll have someone come in who can interpret my dreams for me. Not on the menu for them. And so they say, we don't, there's no one who can interpret these dreams. That's why we're feeling a little bit rattled. What's Joseph's experience been with dreams? Joseph had these very, very powerful dreams. And where did they land him? In this situation that he's in. We wouldn't have faulted Joseph if he was like, dreams? I don't want to know anything about your dreams. I'm not interested in hearing about your dreams. I don't want to interpret your dreams. Last time I thought about dreams, talked about dreams, it got me sold into slavery and landed me in this mess. So I have no interest in hearing anything about what your dreams are. Can't help you. We wouldn't have blamed him if he'd made that choice. But what does Joseph do instead? He sees this as yet another opportunity to allow God to speak. He says, God can interpret your dreams. So tell me what they are and let's hear together what it is that God's got to say. Staggering that once again, Joseph makes this choice to throw himself out there and to say, I believe this is an opportunity where God can speak to us. Verse 9, so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. So the butler has this dream where there's this vine that starts to grow in these three branches and then they bud and flower and then they turn into grapes, really, really awesome wine, and he ends up with a cup and he gives this cup to Pharaoh. And so Joseph says, well, here's what the dream means. In three days' time, Pharaoh is going to bring you back in front of him and you're going to be restored back to your former position. Pretty great news, right? He'd be very happy if you were the butler. He'd be like, oh, that's great. Three more days. I can put up with three more days. And then I'm going to be back in front of Pharaoh. Well, then Joseph says these words to him. 
Please remember me and do me a favour when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Just in case we're wondering whether Joseph has forgotten about everything that's happened to him, no, that is definitely something that's still going on internally for him. And as he shares the interpretation of this dream with the butler, he says, here's an opportunity for me. When you go and see Pharaoh, can you please just tell him about me? Tell him that I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't even be in this land, let alone in this prison. And give me an opportunity to just say my case. If there's anything that you can do when you go back there, please remember me and give me that opportunity. And maybe I can be set free because of it. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. So the baker is like, oh, awesome. I had a dream as well and also had the number three in it. So maybe this is all the same and you're going to give me some really good news too. So I had this dream, had these three pastries stacked on top of my head, and, uh, but then these birds came and ate them. What do you think that that means? It's good news, right, Joseph? Right? Not quite. Verse 18, this is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Good news. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Not such good news for the baker. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Also not great news for this poor guy. So imagine the courage that Joseph's got to share this. I don't know about you, but if I was Joseph, I probably at this point would have been like, that's what that means? I'm not saying that. I'm not sure what your dream means. It's a little confusing. I'm not 100% sure. You'll need to just, let's spend some more time unpacking what that might mean. But Joseph has the courage to say, well, sorry, but uh, this is what your dream means. It's a pretty amazing act that he chooses to go through there. Verse 20, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. And he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored his chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. So sure enough, all of this comes true. Pharaoh is having his birthday party and so he wants to bring all of his key people together and he says, where's my butler and my baker? Where are they? And you can imagine some of his awkward other officials are like, "Uh, you threw them in prison. (laughs) He's like, oh, really? Well, go and get them. They should be a part of this party as well. And so they come and sure enough, the cupbearer, the butler, is restored back to his former position. Sadly, the baker does have happened to him, what Joseph has said, and he is executed. So everything comes together exactly the way that Joseph has said. Once again, we see Joseph's incredible faithfulness. Everything's going to work out really great for Joseph this time, surely. Like he's going to get his opportunity to come before Pharaoh. He's going to be able to tell him this is what's happened. It's all very unfair. Pharaoh's going to release him and he's going to be able to go home, right? That's how this story should end. Not quite. Verse 23, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Forgot all about him. Never thought about him again. 
Imagine how Joseph must have been feeling. These guys get released. They go back up to see Pharaoh and probably starts packing his stuff up. He's like, this is going to be great. I'm going to get to see Pharaoh. That day finishes. No opportunity to go and see Pharaoh. Gets up the next morning. Maybe it'll be today. Goes through that day. No. Well, he probably had a lot of stuff he had to do, get back to work, catch up on things, check all of his emails, plenty of stuff that he needed to do. Next day, turns into the next day, turns into the next week, turns into the next month. And we know ultimately that Joseph ends up staying in prison for another two years. Imagine the sense of hopelessness that would come in on you, the sense of darkness that you would experience. Again, Nothing wrong Joseph has done at all. And yet here he is stuck here because, once again, of the choices of other people. Forgotten, abandoned, and completely left behind. And so we come back to this question that we've looked at throughout this series. What did Joseph do wrong in this? Nothing. All he did was faithfully serve the people that he had the opportunity to serve, to take the opportunities that were put in front of him, to look for opportunities where God might be at work and to be able to make God look good. He did everything right. And where's that landed him? Nowhere. Maybe in a worse situation because he had this sense of hope that was then completely taken away from him. And it's a huge challenge to recognise that even in the times that we're really, really faithful, Sometimes we can end up feeling like we've been forgotten. Even when we're faithful, sometimes we can feel like we have been forgotten, left behind, abandoned, even though we've done nothing wrong and might have done a whole bunch of really good things. We can feel like we're left behind. And so we come back to that question that we asked at the beginning of the message. Have you had an experience like that in your life? A time when you worked really, really hard for something, where you did everything that was in your power, where you were incredibly faithful in everything that you put your hand to, and yet it didn't work out. You were looked over for somebody else, you missed out on an opportunity, you didn't get that job, you didn't get that promotion, something went terribly wrong, even though you'd done everything that you possibly could. could be simply about being faithful in the way that you live your life. Faithful in looking after your house, looking after your kids, looking after your extended family, looking after all of the people, all of the stuff that God has given you. And yet, you end up with no open doors. Feels like God's closing doors all around you and that you are completely trapped. Have you had that kind of experience where you feel like Joseph is feeling? And once again, when we jump ahead to a couple of weeks when we finish this series off, we know that God is not done with Joseph yet. We know that this isn't the end of the story. But as we've done throughout this series, we don't want to rush to that. We want to sit in the reality of the emotion that Joseph must have been feeling because all of us at different times go through that emotion as well, that sense of being all alone, being left behind, being completely abandoned. And the challenge for us is to say, how do we respond when we are in that place, when we are in those moments? Do we recognise that even when other people forget about us, even when other people leave us behind, God never does? Even in those moments where we're experiencing incredible darkness, where we feel like we're all alone and abandoned, God is still with us. And his faithful love can be experienced in our lives in ways that sometimes we can only experience when we're in 
that moment? Do we look for the opportunity to recognise God hasn't left us? God hasn't abandoned us, even if all of our other circumstances say different, and recognise that he is with us and his faithful love is there to comfort us. And once again, we're reminded that if we're questioning that and wondering how God can possibly understand what it is that we're going through, we only have to look to Jesus. And think about how many times Jesus must have felt abandoned and forgotten and left behind in his life. And particularly in those last moments of his life, as everyone that he knew leaves him, abandons him, betrays him. And he has that moment where he says, God, why have you abandoned me? We know that Jesus understands to the core of who he is exactly what that emotion feels like. He gets it. And so far from sitting in our prison cell all on our own, Jesus is there with us, able to wrap his arms around us and say, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you're going through right now, and I am here with you. So I want to give us a bit of an opportunity to be able to do some reflecting on what that looks like. Same question we've used throughout this series. What is God saying to us through Joseph's story today? What is God saying to you through this part of Joseph's story this morning? For some of us, we may be feeling forgotten. In this moment, we may feel like God has just left us, that everything has gone sideways, everything's going bad, our world is tipped upside down and we don't know where God is. This is an opportunity for us to pause and to express our faith, our trust in the reality that God has not left us. God is with us in this moment, right now, right here. He's with us and through Jesus, he understands exactly how you're feeling. He knows exactly what's going on for you. And so there's an opportunity to be able to throw yourself on him and say, God, I need to taste your faithful love today, in this moment, in this set of circumstances that I'm going through. For others of us, it may be looking back on a time when we've been hurt by someone else or a place where there's still a scar because of the choices that other people have made, where we have felt abandoned, we have felt forgotten, we have felt left behind. And to wrestle with what our response is to that. Are we going to allow that to just fill us up with bitterness and resentment and anger and frustration that affects the way that we interact with other people? Or like Joseph, are we going to continue to choose to give our best? To say, God's not finished with me yet. There are opportunities, regardless of where I am, for me to be able to make a difference and to be able to have an impact. I need to work through the emotions and the reasons why I feel the way that I do. Maybe I need to offer my forgiveness to someone who's hurt me in the past. But what do I need to do to come to that place where I can say I'm not going to let that affect the way that I move forward? It could be something else completely different that God's saying to you this morning that you've sensed as we've made our way through this time. Take a couple of moments, do some reflecting, talk to the person next to you, jot some thoughts down or just close your eyes. What's God saying to you in this moment that you can take into this week? Reflect and we'll come back and pray and transition to communion.
Let's pray. God, once again, we are so grateful for Joseph's story. This remarkable man who went through so much in his life and yet consistently refused to give up on you, consistently refused to let his circumstances affect his relationship with you and the decisions that he made about how he lived his life. And even when other people made choices that were not in his best interest, it didn't stop him from saying, every day I'm going to get up and give my best. And we thank you for the reality that a lot of that was because he was somehow able to tap into your faithful love on a consistent basis. No matter what he was going through, he had the ability to know that you were with him, even in those darkest moments that he went through. So we thank you for how much he inspires us and how much he challenges us about the decisions that we make and the way in which we live our lives. We're encouraged this morning, God, to know that you are with us, that there isn't a moment of any day where you're not aware of what's going on for us. That in this moment, right now, as we spend this time together, you know everything that's happening in our lives. You know the challenges that we're facing, the questions that we have, the unknowns that are in front of us, the worries that we're wrestling with, and the ways in which we feel like we're being abandoned or left behind or feel like we're forgotten, or just that you're not at work in our lives. My prayer is that for each one of us, in the circumstances that we're in right now in this moment, we would experience your presence and your power and your peace. Help us to know that you are here with us, that you are still the God of the universe, that nothing is beyond what you are able to do. And give us what your word talks about, that peace that goes beyond understanding, the peace that doesn't make sense given the circumstances that we're in, the peace that recognises that you are who you say that you are, which means that we are who you say that we are. Help us to remember, Jesus, that there's nothing that we go through that you haven't experienced in your life. And so as we move out into the rest of today, into this week, Help us to recognise those moments that you are with us. Help us to understand those moments where you want to just wrap your arm around us and say, I understand what you're going through, but I haven't left you. I haven't abandoned you. I am here and my faithful love is available to you. And as we do that, I pray that you would help us to give our best each day to look for the opportunities where you are at work, those moments where we have the opportunity to see what you're up to, and to join you in the work that you're doing in our lives and in the lives of the people that we connect with. We pray all these things through Jesus' name. Amen.